So we recently put out a video where Chris was talking about his medals that he had received and we got such great feedback, which thank you guys, first of all. Um, but we wanted to go into a little bit more about the therapy aspect of becoming a cop because there was a lot of feedback on kind of that aspect of the job. Yeah. So a lot of times, well, and, and just recently we got a question too, that's what made it come up was um, somebody was like, well, do you have to get uh, like, what's the psychological testing like to be a cop? So I thought it'd be kind of fun or might be interesting for some people to find out like what you go through and it's going to be different everywhere you go. Um, so I can only tell you my experience and what it's like. So if you wanted to become a cop and, or even if you don't, if you're just curious, uh, you might find some of this interesting. So, um, back in the day when I wanted to become a cop, uh, where I work in New Jersey, they started you out and they had these different like classifications of police officers. So they had what was called a class one, then there's a class two. And what that meant was like a class one police officer meant that you were kind of like a security guard. You had authority to make arrests, but you didn't carry a gun. So you would do more basic things. Like you might write like traffic tickets during the day, help direct traffic, help handle medical calls, um, things like that. So um, in some departments would use these, not all. So this would predominantly be used in like, like shore towns, places where there's a lot of like um, influx of people in the summertime. So they would hire like these, you know, kids to come in, they'd work as class one police officers, they direct traffic, write tickets all summer long. And then in when Labor Day hit, and everybody left town, uh, they would lay them off or get rid of them. And then they'd hire them back again. Um, so then what they would do is if the ones that were good or the ones they liked, they would put them through the police academy. So that's how my career started. I was a class one police officer for one summer. You were 19 years old at that time. Yeah, I was young. Yeah. Um, so I worked and basically I did the same thing. I worked during the day. I'd write traffic or I'd write parking tickets, direct traffic, like because we'd get a lot of people trying to cross the main highway to go to the beach. So we would just stand there and help them cross the road all day. It was the worst job imaginable. Stepping stone. Yeah. And then but you knew you were doing it to put in your time. And then at the end of the summer, I got offered to go through the police academy. And I was in college at that time. So I ended up taking a semester off of school. The police academy was six months. It was every day, Monday through Friday. We had to be in there at like 4.45 in the morning or something. We had to be there. I mean, we'd be in, get changed into our PT gear. And then um, we were out in formation before the sun came up. So, but to get that job as a class one, I had to go through um, a psychological test, which if you wanted that job, you had to pay out of pocket. Like the department didn't pay for you to get it. They were like, you want this job, go get a psychological testing, give us your results. So this psychological doctor was making money. Like, I think I paid back then like 600 bucks out of my pocket, which was a lot of money when you're 19 and we're talking 15 years ago or whatever it was, um, 25 years ago. My God. <laughs> I don't know. It was a long time ago. I'm 40 now. You guys It was math. actually, no, it was like right when we met, you became a class two. So it was 19 years ago. So, um, so I went through this testing and then, uh, so we'll, we'll get into what that was like. So I pay 600 bucks. I go in and see this guy and he asks you a bunch of questions, you know, like about your home life, who your parents are, are they divorced? Do you have a girlfriend? Do you have pets? Um, do you have kids? They just want to know everything about your past, um, how your grades were, where you go to school, what you're studying. Um, and you're like on the defensive with every answer you give. They're like, how's your relationship with your mother? 
I'm like, great. They're like, oh, it's really good. I'm like, well, not that good. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, you start second guessing everything that comes out of your mouth. And uh, so after they like ask you millions of questions, so they send you in this room and they give you this test and it's all like true false questions, which becomes very difficult in a way. Um, there was, I think about like, if anybody did this testing, they'll know, or if somebody's in like psych school, they might know, but it was like an 800 question test. So you you go, if you're not clinically nuts going into it, you are during this test or at the end of it. So at some point you're just like, is like questions like, Oh, I sometimes like to jump off the top of a building because I think I can fly. We are like, no, I don't think I can fly, you know? Uh, or it's like, I like the taste of sugar or, and marijuana. And you're like, no, but I, but I do like, mar but I do like sugar. It's like true. But you're like, but I don't like marijuana. So it's false. You're like, I don't, I'll, I just won't answer that one. Like these questions are just absolutely bizarre. Um, one of them I remember too, it was like, um, when I get a new job, I know who to be nice to. And I was like, well, I, I mean, I think that's true. I, I think, you know, when you get hired that you want to be nice to your supervisors <laughs> and people you work with. Um, but then you're like, so I guess that's true. But then you're like, wait, are they asking if I'm like a kiss ass? Because then maybe that's a bad thing. So you're like, no, I'm nice to everybody. And they're like, well, they're not saying that. So you get my point. These questions are so bizarre where you're like, I think it's true. Um, but when you have 800 of them, eventually you're just like, I'm putting true for all of these. So you come out, you take that test. And then when you're done, then they sit you down. And they, at this point, I mean, you've been in there for like two hours. Then they ask you these like hypotheticals where they're like, okay, you're walking down the beach. You find a suitcase. Nobody's around. Nobody knows where you're at. It's a deserted island. In the suitcase, full of cash. Are you keeping it? And I remember the guy was like, no. He's like, come on, you're not going to keep it? I was like, I won't keep it. He's like, you're on a deserted island. So I was like, so what's the point of keeping it? I can't spend it. I'm on a deserted island. What am I going to do with all this cash? It means nothing. He's like, yeah, but you can take it back. I was like, how am I taking it back? He's like, on an airplane. I was like, what airplane? He's like, you can fly back. I was like... Do I, am I flying the plane? Like, how am I supposed to know how to, I don't know how to fly a plane. I've never studied this. Um, and then one time when I was in college, well, I was in college, I think during one of these tests, the guy's like, do you have any pets? And I lived in a, a dorm room by myself. I was like, I have a single dorm room and I have a pet iguana. And he's like, oh, you have an iguana? He's like, uh, tell me about that. And I was like, oh, it's this big iguana. I bought it when I was a little baby. And now it's like five feet long. It like lives on my curtains. Like it, it just hangs out in my dorm room. I go to class. I come back. He's like sitting on my bed. I feed it. It's pretty cool. And he's like, do you have a lot of friends? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I think so. And he's like, do you consider your pet your friend? I was like, I mean, I, sometimes I talk to it. Like if it's just me and him in the room and I was like, no, wait, I don't talk to animals. He's like, so you're talking to people that aren't there in the room with you. I was like, no, I was like, that's not what I mean. So I leave there and I was like, I failed. <laughs> like I definitely failed. I was like, there's no way I'm passing. And uh, I passed. And uh, so then I got hired and then I um, worked for three months for this police department. They're like you're going through the police Academy. Um, you need a psychological test. And I was like, I just had one. I paid 600 bucks three months ago. I didn't go crazy in three months. And they're like, okay, go back and get the results from that doctor um, and give them to us. And you can go through the police Academy. And I was like, great. So then I called that doctor and he died. <laughs> so apparently like the department never got my original results or they couldn't use them. And I was like, what? I, why can't I use that doctor? I, the results were good then. They're like, no, he's dead. They're like, there's no patient confidentiality. I was like, I don't even know how that pertains to this, but they're like, so go get another test. So I was like, oh my God. So I go get another test, another $600, another crazy, the exact same thing happened, another 800 question test. I passed that one, go through the police academy. Then I get hired for another department. 
when so then I worked that next summer as a, a class two. Now I have a gun, but I cannot take my gun home with me. I can only be a cop when I'm on duty. And then when I'm not on duty, I leave the gun at the police department. I go home. I'm not a cop. And uh, so I did that for, I don't know, one summer, maybe two summers. And then uh, then I got hired again <laughs> by another department. I had to get another psychological test because apparently these psychological tests don't carry weight after you get the job. That third time I had to go, that was paid for by the new department that hired me full-time. Well, that yeah, that was a full-time gig. Yeah, they point. sent me for... So now I have my third psychological test for that department. And a full-time job. Yeah, and a full-time job, Not finally. a summer job. <laughs> and then after working at that place for, I think, a year or two, I got accepted onto our county SWAT team. So they're like, you need a psychological test to get on the team. So I go back to see that third psych doctor that I had. I had to go back and see him again. So he's like, oh, so now you're back again, and now you want to get on a SWAT team. I was like, yeah. And he's like, uh, why do you want to be on the SWAT team? And I was like, because it's badass, and I'm probably one of the best cops I know. He's like, well, you sound like a cowboy. And I was like, I don't think there's horses involved. He's like, well, you sound like a cowboy. I was like, I don't plan to do any cowboy stuff. I just want to be on the SWAT team. He's like, do you know what the term means to be a cowboy, son? And I was like, no, but I feel like I'm failing. So we left there and I went back and told my chief. I was like, I don't think I'm getting on the team. I, I think I might have failed that one. And I passed again. And uh, so I don't even know how I keep passing these things. Um, but if you did not get on the SWAT team and you just were a cop, I never would have had another psychological testing for the next 25 years of my career. Uh, never once would I ever have another test. Or when I retire, I would never have a psychological test for the rest of my life. So what always blows my mind is you can get hired as a cop. You go, you usually have to do like a, a physical fitness test, like a do push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups to get ranked. Um, and then you do a psychological test. Then you go through the police academy, which is all PT, like physical training. They beat you down pretty good for six months. Then you become a cop. And some departments will implement physical testing as like uh, an incentive. So like some departments make it mandatory. Some don't care at all. They're like, just eat pasta and donuts and you're good for the next 25 years. And then some departments are like, we care about physical fitness. We're going to implement one. And if you take it, it won't be mandatory. But if you take it and pass it, maybe you get some kind of like incentive, like um, I think there's rules as to what the incentives can be, but it might be like extra days off at work. Um, maybe they buy you stuff for your uniform or they give you, you know, I think there was, I forget what the rules were. I think there's rules as to what they can give you. Like they couldn't have like, uh, I was going to say something really dark and bad, but I'm not gonna say it. Um, so I think there's rules as to what they can give you, but anyway, they care about physical fitness, but not about like the psychological trauma that could endure over the course of your career. And I think at the time when you're a cop, you don't care because you don't want to go see one of those doctors again because there's a good chance. And I think this is why a lot of cops don't, um, you know, if you feel like you have a bad day or there's some crazy trauma that you experience mentally, you can't really ask to go see a psych psychiatric doctor because if you do, there's a great chance if you're honest with them that they will put you out of work. So if you could say to them like, hey man, I think like mentally I'm a little exhausted and I saw a lot of horrible things, they're like, okay, you're going to sit the next couple of plays out. And you're like, wait, no, no, I still have to go to work. I need overtime. There's a bunch of overtime shifts coming up. I need to keep working. And the doctor's like, no, you're going to take a couple months off of work. And you're like, no, that's not why I'm here. I came here to get like better, you know, like to think like mentally you're supposed to fix me. So I think most cops have this stigma where it's like, I'm not going to ask for help because if I do, there's a chance that they can sit me out, put me on the bench. I don't get overtime or they could take away my job. Like imagine if you went to one of these doctors and they're like, 
yeah, you're pretty messed up, son. You're going to, you're going to go ahead and, and you're not allowed on the, on the ball field anymore. And you're gonna be like, Oh my God, no, I just came here because I felt like I should talk to somebody because that should be the good thing to do. So my experience, and I think most cops could agree is that you don't ever volunteer to go to a psychiatric doctor. I think if you do some weird stuff at work, they're going to make it like if you're a weird cop and you say weird things, eventually somebody's gonna be like, Hey, send him for a psych, another psych eval. And they could do that and make you go get one. Um, they could do it, but they don't typically. No, I, I think, think I, I only know one person that they sent who actually did need it and he failed <laughs> um, for, in, for good reasons. But um, yeah, so I mean, you go through these rigorous testing, but what always blows my mind, and again, when I was in those shoes, I didn't care because I didn't want to go see the, one of those doctors. But um, when when you're in there, I feel like they probably should every like couple of years, at least every five years, maybe like get you checked out because you start to like become numb to it. I think most first responders, some people that work in like trauma units, maybe hospitals too, probably get a little messed up um, because you can be, you know, like you go see some crazy things for you. It starts to become very normal, like showing up to like a dead body, like somebody dies in their sleep. That happens almost daily. Like every morning, if you're in a big work in a big town, somebody wakes up almost every day next to their spouse and they're dead. Like you just, people, that's what they do. They get old and die. Well, even you saying that like that, you sound like there's no remorse. Like it's like I just, need to go to a psych doctor. Like you need to go to a psych doctor. No, but like to me, like that's like my heart just sank when you said that. Right. Like and I'm so sad. And you're just like, yeah, that's this the most happens. traumatic thing in, in that person's life. But that's every morning. You know, if you work on day shift, usually that happens, you know, and like I said, cops that are watching this will attest to it is that usually somebody like dies every morning. Somebody wakes up, finds their spouse dead. They call. It's horrific for that person. But you're figuring out like, you know, you and your buddies that are working, you're standing over a dead body. Like are we doing pasta or Chinese for lunch. Like, what are we doing? And you become numb to it. It's it's probably the craziest thing. Um, I know, and like for me, that sounds so messed up. Yeah, to but you be do have like... to eat lunch, and lunch is one of the biggest decisions of our lives. I suppose that's true, but yeah. it does sound like you need a psych evaluation at that right, point, right? And that's why I kind of feel like they probably should mandate that. Um, and there's a lot of cops that are gonna watch this, like shut your mouth, man. I don't want to go. I don't want to have to go see a psych, and I'm not pushing to ever mandate it. But realistically, when you retire. You're going to look back and be like, yeah, they probably should have sent us once in a while, at least to make sure we're okay. And so just so a doctor could be like, you're still good. You'd be like, okay, good. Um, well, yeah, yeah, because this job is not, it's not the end all be all. You, like you do 25 years, you're supposed to be done and you're supposed to be good. Right. But the question then becomes, are you good? Right. And, yeah. And I guess, and and I know friends too that um, have retired like I did and, or even for slightly different circumstances. And some of them, it's just like, you know, you get beat down mentally for, you know, 20 years. And eventually one day you're like, uh, I'm going to ring the bell and just sit the next few out. Like mentally, I, I'm done. And they'll walk away and and they do. And, and I know people that have done that and got their pensions and everything went well. And it's a fight. I mean, obviously, the state doesn't want to put you on disability, doesn't want to give you your pension. Um, and, and there's two different ways you can go out and in, in, in police work is you can go ride a jet ski on a Saturday on your day off and hit something and break your neck and, uh, you know, go out like Christopher Reeve style. And then you can go on disability and you're going to get, you're going to pay taxes on that disability check. You're going to get like 30% of your salary. Like you're going to get really like, <laughs> you're going to get more screwed than that broken neck. Um, or you can end up getting, uh, facing a traumatic incident in the line of duty that can cause your retirement. And then that's a different type of retirement. I think one is like accidental disability and one is like, 
ordinary disability. Uh, I, I believe ordinary disability is like the jet ski scenario. And then uh, accidental disabilities, if there's like an accident at work that causes a traumatic incident, uh, typically like for police, it's a, like a line of duty shooting. So if somebody's in a shooting or injured in that kind of way, um, they would get that ordinary dis accidental disability. And then they're looking at not paying taxes on their salary and getting a much higher percentage than that 30 or 50%. It might be upwards of like 65, 70, 75% of your salary um, tax-free. Um, so there's a, there's a big difference. So you could end up tapping out of work and saying, I'm not doing it anymore. I want to put in for my pension. And now you have to fight for one or the other. And obviously the state's going to try to push you onto that crappy pension where they're like, it really wasn't work-related. And you could be like, no, I'm messed up in the head and it's all work-related. And I'm like, mm, no, it, it probably is pre-existing. So, um, and that does happen. And you, you sometimes have to get lawyers involved and it's a risk. So a lot of people are like, I don't know if I really want to try risking going for my pension because if it gets denied and I get, you know, ordinary disability, I can't afford that. Like I'd rather just work through the trauma and keep working. Um, so it is very risky if you're putting in for your pension for something like, like with me being involved in a shooting, you know, it's risky because you're like, well, I, if I get approved, I, you know, I had, so when my incident happened, I had to go see psych doctors, like, a Almost lot. daily in the beginning, weekly for, I mean, weekly for like a year. And my doctor was like an hour away from me. So once a week, I drive an hour down, sit with him for like 30 minutes to an hour, whatever the appointment was, and then drive back home. And then at the end, it's ultimately his decision. So like you see him all the time and it's his decision to say like, yeah, you're clear to go back to work or you're not. And then here's where things get crazy. Um, so I see my doctor. My doctor says, you know what? You're not going to go back to work. I'm going to submit paperwork and you're going to receive your pension. I said, okay. So then they have to go through all these other doctors. So I, the state made me go see a doctor. I went and saw this one doctor and uh, sat down. You know, a lot of these doctors, I don't even think they read your file. I think a lot of this like workman's comp stuff, it's just money and processing. And so like I went in to see one doctor and he was like, all right, sit down. He's like, so, uh, you know, tell me about what's going on. And I'm like, how, how long is this appointment scheduled for? He's like 30 minutes. I said, 30 minutes this is going to take me an hour to tell this story, you know, to get in depth of like a story, like a shooting. And then you know, I said, you're asking a lot. You're asking me to go relive a traumatic incident. Like this is, it's not easy to do. And you start to go through it and, you know, you, you're honest, you explain how bad it was for you and your family and all this stuff. And then at the end, that doctor writes his thing and his letter literally to the state. Um, I think he was this, this, this next doctor that I saw. So I saw him and he said, uh, you know, basically like almost word for word, like Chris is a liar. He's not injured. He should return back to work tomorrow. And I was like, what are you out of your mind? So then I have to see another state doctor because now I have a, like a, a doctor that says retire. I have a doctor that says don't retire. And then I hired another doctor on my own. That doctor said I need to retire. So then I go to another doctor. This is another state doctor, a workman's comp doctor, which are, I mean, you put workman's comp in front of a doctor and they automatically become an idiot. Sorry for all the workman's comp doctors out there. <laughs> so I go in to see this other doctor and this is in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And I don't remember his name. I, I, I don't even know if I could look it up. I don't even know what I would look up. Um, so this doctor, let's see, this is going to trigger a lot of people. This, All right. this is, yeah. So this I doctor know exactly happened about. to be black. So I go in there and I sit down. And again, this is just comes up as like a workman's comp injury. It has all my case file. I don't think, clearly, I don't think this doctor even looked at anything. Like he again booked me for a 30 minute appointment. Let me. I'm in the middle of a fast right now, so I'm so dry mouth. 
Okay. So this doctor says to me, he goes, tell me about your injury. And I said, okay, well, I wasn't actually like physically injured. He's like, you weren't. Like he discovered something crazy. He's like, you weren't, so you're not injured? <laughs> and I said, did you read anything about why I'm here? And he said, yeah, I have your whole file. I said, you've read it. He goes, yep. He goes, you're here for a workman's comp injury. I said, well, clearly you haven't. So we sit down and I said, I'll, I'll explain to you what's going on, but I don't think you have any idea as to why I'm here. So I said, I'm here because I was involved in a shooting. And he like immediately sat back up and like kind of stared at me, but trying to act confident, like, like he wasn't a liar. And I was like, yeah, I don't think you actually know what we're about to get into, but <laughs> we'll do it. So now the, this is where things get weird. And I know some people are like, why did you have to say he was black? I'm going to get there. So we're sitting there and this is back in 20, like 16, right? This was like, yeah, this is like Obama time. Like we had some riots going on. Things were like getting fierce and ugly in the world at this time. Yeah. This was like, yeah, this was, so shooting was 2015. This process went throughout towards the end of 2015 throughout 2000 and all of 2016 and ended early 2017. That's how long this, like this point for my shooting until my retirement took. Uh, almost two full years. So, so I go see this doctor and uh, Obama's in president. People are lighting cities on fire. I don't remember if he was just elected or, but no, remember, it was um, in between Obama and Trump because Trump was 2016 through 2020. So this is the end like of that. Obama. Yeah. It's the okay. end of Obama, early Trump. Okay. So yeah, cities are on fire and things are crazy. <laughs> so, so I'm sitting there and the uh, doctor's drinking coffee and, uh, Again, he's just very weird. Like he had no idea. He didn't even know what to ask me. He was just like, keep, keep going. <laughs> and so I kept like laying out the whole scenario. Everything was happening. And, uh, he's drinking coffee out of a, a black lives matter cup. And, uh, I think that's a little odd thing to like take a political stance when you're interviewing cops on stuff like this. So I was like, okay, so he's drinking out of a, a black lives matter cup and I'm sitting there while I'm talking to, I have my phone in my hand. So I'm like taking a picture of that, like him sitting there with his black lives matter cup, like, you know. <laughs> like snapchatting it out like this is like what i'm dealing with right now and uh so he says to me and this is where it gets a little bit worse he's like um so now with my shooting the person that i shot was white and for those that are viewing impaired or maybe listening to this i'm also white um i identify as white and then the person that i shot identified as white i don't actually know what he identified as i looking at him because i'm not colorblind he was white um so then the doctor says to me he goes do you think that your shooting was race related right in the middle of this whole like racial pandemic that was going on in our country he goes do you think that your shooting was race related so i said let's hold up and step back real quick i said so i shot a white person and i'm a white person and i said this is clearly how i know this guy has no clue as to what he's interviewing me for uh he goes yeah i said are you serious with that question he goes yeah do you think it had anything to do with race so i said do you realize what you're asking me i said you're asking me if i shot somebody and killed them strictly based on their race as a police officer, you're asking me that. And he goes, yes. I said, you, that would be me. You asking me if I murdered this person because shooting somebody based on the race is murder. I said, I don't know if you're like trying to solve a case here. I said, hun, but, um, I said it, it, it was not race related. I said, actually the person that I shot was white. I explained it to him. Um, and so I politely explained to him that this interview is over. Um, I think I told him what he could do with a coffee cup. Um, and I left, I didn't, I literally, I didn't finish. I said, go write whatever you want to write. Um, and I think me storming out might've also showed him I was a little psychologically impaired, but I literally, I, I ended the interview and then I, um, 
I think I called her on the I, way no, home. I drove you to all these interviews. Oh, that's right. Yeah, at the time, I, I kind of wasn't even driving to him. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so I literally explained what happened, and I was like, yeah, this is not going to happen. He surprisingly wrote a letter saying that I should retire. <laughs> so, uh, And I also think he should not be able to practice medicine ever again. Um, I should look up his name. Give him a shout out. I should I send think, him this video. I think video. you could have probably had him lose his job. Yeah, I called the state that. and I explained to them what was happening. Um, you know, so basically all the doctors, except one that was paid, the first one that was paid by the state to do my psychological testing. Obviously, their paycheck comes from the state and they want state workers to return to work because having them out workman's comp is losing money for the state. So the state's paying me to stay at home and go th and paying all my doctor's bills, all this stuff. So state doctors like get this guy back to work. We got to save some money. Um, so it's just one of those things where you're like, yeah, a state doctor obviously says I should go back to work, and all the other doctors that are you know supplied by the medical staff, by my work, by all these and people I paid for out of pocket, they all said, yeah, you you need to like take a little break from work, and we think you, you should retire. So, but the second state doctor that I called out, the the guy that <laughs> that suggested that my shooting was based on strictly race. Uh, he finally agreed, I think, when when the way I exited that practice. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's how it is. But typically, if you weren't in my scenario, if you were if you were just retiring, you hit 25 years and you're like, you know, across the finish line, you're like made it 25 years. I'm done. Put in your paperwork. You retire. Nobody does like an exit interview with like a psychiatric doctor to be like, hey, those last 25 years were pretty bad. Do you need some help? But uh, I know people in the military. I think they do go through. They that. go through debriefing. Yeah. yeah. A friend of mine just retired. Um from the Coast Guard. And I believe he was telling me that he went to doctors. They kind of do all these things. Like they check you out, see what, what parts are still intact and what works. And for are him, unfortunately, in any way? a couple of his body parts didn't work anymore. But, um, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> leave him alone. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he was, uh, yeah, overall good. 80% good. I would say. Um, but yeah, so they don't, they don't do any psychological testing throughout your career, unless maybe you're trying to go for some kind of position. Like I said, when I got in the SWAT team, they were like, you need a psychological test. Um, but other than that, they don't, you know, maybe some places if you try to get on K9, they might, I don't know. But yeah, so that's, that's what it was like going through. Uh, so that's the long answer yeah. for psychological testing and police work. Um, so if you're in the military or if you're a police officer or uh, a, a medical, a medic, um, um, what else, firefighter, if you're watching this video, comment down below if you want to. Um, you can remain anonymous, obviously, just I won't tell anybody. Yeah. Um, but let me know what if, if you had similar uh, experiences with psych doctors or I mean I if that stigma of like psych doctors are bad try to avoid them at all costs like does that ring a bell to you guys uh, I'm just curious so um, and also if you're new to this like if you're not involved in police work at all maybe you're like anti-cop you're like one of those like sit on the left side of the couch and you're like I hate all cops um, if you are you're probably not even watching this at this point anyway, yeah, anyway. You're pretty, probably but um, let me know what you think so if you're not a cop and this is something new to you like is this what you would have pictured or did you think things were a little bit different? Like this is just, I mean, again, this is my perspective. This is things that happened to me when I worked in New Jersey. So things might be different other places. Um, hiring practices might be different. I don't really know. So yeah, so that's my experience. A little long-winded answer. 